Today's episode, as always, is brought to you by NBA2KLab.com. Uh, if you're going to sign up to NBA2KLab and, and use their great services, uh, you know, finding a jump shot and a whole bunch of analytic stuff on there, use the promo code GREEN. Uh, and that promo code lets them know that you came from me and helps the podcast to keep going. It's the Green Release NBA 2K Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 25. Today I've got a guest on the podcast to talk some uh, NBA 2K League tip-off tournament and probably about the league in general. Uh, Before I dive in and introduce the guest, I just wanted to say just a little caveat. Uh, I watched a lot of the games. I I didn't get time to quite see all of them. Uh, Living in Australia, the the time zones for the tip-off tournament were were a bit rough, Uh, so... It's uh, they're on during the morning, and if you have a job, it, it's a bit hard. And most of all, I've got a, a one-month-old daughter who takes up a lot of time at the moment. So I'm going to lean on my guest a lot, who who no doubt watched all the games. Today's guest is the founder of Dima2k.com, Will Beverina. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, you got you got it. Uh, Will is a great writer. I like his stuff. And he wrote some excellent preview stuff for the 2K League tip-off tournament and a whole bunch of stuff through while the tournament was happening. I'm still trying to convince him to do a mailbag column, Bill Simmons style. So if you've got any questions, just send them straight at him. We'll, we'll get that going. But most importantly, if you're watching the 2K League games, close that damn Twitch chat box. Forget about that and just open Will's timeline. He he live tweets the games uh, he watches them all, and he, he's very astute in what he says. So definitely engage with him on Twitter when the games are going on. So, Will, how are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for that intro. Uh, that, makes me, <laughs> that makes me sound pretty good, so I like it. Dude, I like your tweets. I like your <laughs> tweets as the games are going on. They're good. Thank you. Thank you. So where are you from, Will? I'm from a town called Stafford, Virginia. It's, uh, it's in northern Virginia, about 40 minutes outside of D.C., um, so big DC sports fan, big wizards fan. Oh, yuck. Uh, no. I, I mean, <laughs> Rough. Know, that's, that's acceptable for how they played this year, I guess. Yeah. But it's like, it's like, uh, the long suffering DC sports fan, right? The, the wizards have been, and the bullets have been terrible for 40 years. Uh, right. and the caps, right? Didn't the caps... Caps just they, just last night they uh, snapped a 19 year streak of not making the conference finals. Wow! So, go Caps! Wow, there's going to be riding in DC after that. <laughs> and and what about the the Nationals? Are they only a new franchise? Have I got that wrong? Uh, they I think they they relocate they relocated from Montreal in 05, 06, I want to say. And uh, they haven't made the conference finals yet, so yeah, they're they're cursed as well. Yeah, that's that's a tough break. Uh, so, and, and you were, I, I got to introduce to you through Moody. Actually, you were Moody's roommate in college. Yeah, so I, I went to Radford University. I transferred in. Um, it's a kind of small school down in Southwest Virginia in the mountains. It's like twenty minutes from Virginia Tech. Um, but I mean, you know, I didn't know anyone down there, so I mean, I just leased an apartment and uh, 
they happened to match me with with the Moody. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't know who he was at the time. I, I'll be honest, like I wasn't aware of the pro am scene when I first met him. Um, I played two K, you know, since two K eleven or ten. Um, but you know, when I first met him, he was moving in and. Uh, he was asking how the internet connection was. Very because, important. Yeah, he, he he said he uh, he streamed and that um, he played 2K competitively. And I was like, okay, you know, I play video games. I play 2K. Um, I know what Twitch is. So I was like, all right, that's pretty cool. And then uh, I kind of, you know, got to really, he was really into the 2K competitive scene. But yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was in the room when, when he hit the shot to send it to overtime. Yeah. And uh that sent them to New Orleans. And um me and my other roommate David, we actually made the the twelve hour drive to and from New Orleans to uh see Moody against uh Steel Trill. Oh very nice. And a big, yeah. big big party down in New Orleans. Yeah, no, it was it was incredibly fun. I mean I mean the two teams like hung out like the entire weekend we were there. So um it was a blast honestly and you know the the live uh, experience. It was, I mean, it was cool to be a part of. It doesn't seem, you know, quite as good as what the 2K League has, but um, it was a fun time. So it, I, I really got into it because of uh, because of Moody. Very cool. What was he like to live with? A lot of a lot of screaming from the bedroom. Oh yeah, when games I mean, were like, going on. Lots of late nights. I mean, they they would play, and and Moody's the kind of guy, you know, he he likes to watch film, so he would be up real late doing all that lots of yelling (laughs) so yeah it's you know i mean he's a really personable guy he's very charismatic and i think what people see you know on twitter and everything like that's all like the real you know moody yeah Um, so yeah uh great guy honestly the someone someone tried to tell me that the sunglasses on draft day were because he had sore eyes or something to that effect yes and i'm um, like come on moody <laughs> you just want to wear the damn sunglasses i get it it's cool i mean i i, I actually kind of believe that he, it might have actually been that he had sore eyes i think he does have that problem so i mean i mean they look good so <laughs> can, can you blame him either way nah of course not do your thing moody shoot your shot <laughs> so how did diamond 2k come about I graduated last May, and I'm I'm still unemployed right now. It's tough to get a writing job. Yeah, 2K League, reach out. Reach out. <laughs> Wanted something to fill my time and something that would like keep my writing sharp and you know write about something that interested me. And I was like, I know someone. I'm friends with someone who might get drafted. So why not write about this stuff? And I kind of saw an opportunity. You know, there there wasn't that much written content. At the time, you know, obviously, you know, there's you, but, um, you know, the ball gamer wasn't really a thing yet. So I was like, you know, why not do this? Why not just go for it and just, you know, write and get my opinions out there. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how it started. All right, we'll move on to the action. The tip-off tournament. A hundred k tournament. The seventy six has won thirty five. Uh, second place got twenty five, which is not too bad at all for coming second. No, it, not at all. Yeah, it's radiant. Was uh, tournament MVP. 
And I just thought we'd we'd go through and break over the tournament, break down the tournament. Sorry, over the over the five days. So we'll jump into Group A. Will Pistons, Bucks, Kings, Cavs. I just hit on a couple of storylines, and I'll just throw a, a fairly broad question at you, and we'll just chat and see what happens. All right, go for it. So the Pistons come out of this group. Uh, what did you make of the the Pistons? I I, I didn't have them coming out of this group. Uh, what were your predictions before its play started? Um, before you know, I I kind of saw them as like maybe the third best team in that group. Um, I I was surprised even after seeing the games that they made it out. Um, obviously you know all those games in that Group A were really close. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know a couple couple shots made or miss could have really altered what happened there, but. Um, with the Pistons, you're talking about what they did down low with Ramo and, to a certain extent, insanity. Um, the the three-point shooting for them just wasn't there at all. Yeah, uh, and I, um, I saw there's a website, 2kanalytics.com. Um, the Pistons were 15th in three-pointers three attempted. Uh, which didn't surprise me at all. Um, but, I mean, you know, we say that, but they made the semifinals. So uh, they were doing something right. And, I mean, th- they have um, good pieces in Ramo and Sanity, and I'm so far ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I think they need to figure out what they're going to be doing with those other two spots in their lineup because they were making a lot of lineup changes. And I'm not entirely sure what worked. Um, I mean, Rux was hitting some threes. Uh, Splash King was hitting some threes. Joseph the Th- Truth was doing some work at center. Um, but they kind of need to decide on a lineup and figure out a way to, you know, revolve their game around Ramo and Insanity while still getting some open looks for their shooters. Totally agree. Well said. Ramo and Insanity are the two keys, and I, I loved the looks that Detroit threw when Insanity was as a secondary ball handler. But it's it's something different, and those Insanity Ramo pick and rolls. I'd I don't know. I'd be going to them a lot more. But yeah, like in, Insanity kind of sits in between. Like you know, you have the small forwards who just sit in the corner as a pure sharpshooter and. You have like the small forwards like Hood, who are running the offense. Um, Insanity kind of sits somewhere in the middle of those, um, but like he was really effective. You know, he he stepped in, he made some mid range shots, he was attacking the basket. Um, so yeah, he, he kind of he's kind of like a, a a Nate Call type on the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of have a similar play style, I think, um, and it worked really well for for the Pistons. Yeah, put the ball in Insanity's hands and good things will happen. Moving on to the the Cavs. Uh, Hood. <laughs> Hood was the storyline for them. Excuse me. Other than Sick. Um, Sick played well and hit that massive three to bounce the Kings. They play Hood at that small forward. They put the ball in his hands a lot, which is good. Good for them. They run a bit of the five out, which is also good for Hood. The only downside and. I'll take some pushback if you want, but what I noticed was Hood 
in that corner on that wing defense, he gets blown by a lot, and, and it's because he's gambling. But other than that, I mean, he was he was excellent. His help defense at the rim is excellent. He had a couple of big blocks on on guards who made it into the lane when he rotated over. Well, I mean, you know, when he's scoring thirty six a game, you uh-huh. take a little bit of risky defense. You, you take what comes with that. But um, I mean, it kind of. You know, you talk about sick. They move sick around a lot in that lineup to different positions, and it kind of just shows how important Hood is. You know, they really did run like a five out. So, um, even even sick being, you know, it, it didn't it didn't really matter that much whether sick was at the center or I think he was at shooting guard one game, maybe um, just because Hood is so important to that offense. Yeah. Uh, did you happen to know? Did Toxic Bangs? Did he get any looks? Did he get open much at all? He got some. Um, it it wasn't much. I would say he was the quietest shooter mm-hmm. on that team. Uh, so yeah, n- not not much going for him. But I think everyone else on that team was was hitting their shots pretty well. Yeah. It just it just seems like uh, I'm not being negative at all here. I'm just saying that if Hood gets into line every play. It seems like uh, the defense should collapse, or at least be hedging a little bit. There should be shooters. There should be some space for the shooters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, Blazer Five tried to do that. Uh, they tried to double team Hood in the semifinals, and you know they did that for a few possessions. And you know Hood was just finding the guy in the corner, and the guy was just draining the threes. Mm-hmm. So that's the risk that comes with that because. For as good of a score as Hood is, he also has the vision to get it to the open guy. I think you just kind of got to hope your whoever you have on Hood does enough, which is kind of what Blazer 5 went back to. They stopped double-teaming him. Shots did enough on defense, and uh, the Blazer 5 offense did enough to outscore Hood. Moving on to the Kings. Kings, on the viscerally looking at it, looked a little disappointing going home early, but... They were really only a few possessions away from going going three and zero. Colts rebounding is insane. He just gobbles up everything inside. Cowboy Colazzo, I tweeted out at the time he might be one of the best shooters in the league, and I'll st- I'll stand by that. I'll die on that hill. Uh, he hit a couple of huge shots for the Kings. Ultimately, they went home. Yeah, you talk about them being a few possessions away. Um, I mean, they're two losses were by a combined four points. So yeah, it was close. Um, what I noticed when I rewatched their games was that they run a very fast offense. And I put out, you know, a review of everything uh, just today. But um, I mentioned like, it was almost, it, it was like a sloppy, you know, seven seconds or less. And I think at times like they need, they really needed to slow it down because they were just rushed down and, you know, forced an early shot that maybe wasn't the best shot selection. And I, th- I think if they, if they can find the right time to slow it down, you know, after a couple possessions, they miss, say, okay, this isn't working. Let's run some sets. Let's run some plays um, and work the clock. I, th- I think they'll do a lot better in the future. Yep. Yeah. And to your point, it, it seems like the teams that did well, really slowed it down and were deliberate in what they did and drove into the lane like like Dimes, for example. 
when when Dimes mounted that comeback, sorry, when the the Mavs mounted that comeback behind Dimes, he was very deliberate in his play. Got into the lane and found Day Fry open for just open mid ranges. Seems like the Kings could do something similar with Moody. Moody's a great shooter. You got Cowboy. Yeah, I mean, it's like you talk about, you know, Moody being a great shooter. Um, you know, Safaya Foria was also, he was hot from three. Um, Cowboy Colazzo was hitting his shots too. Um, I'm not quite sure if they if they just want to run like more of a two-man game with Timely Cook and Worthing Colt and just like, you know, sit Moody um, on the outside. I, th- I think they can they can find better ways to work him into the offense than just, you know, making him stand there and space the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, what, what was weird to me was that they Kingsguard didn't actually have a coach there. I don't believe. Um, and it seemed like every other team did except for them, uh, which is right. weird because I, I know they have a coaching staff, like they, they have managers and everything, but they were kind of on their own. And um, I think that led to a lot of the late game mistakes that they made that really cost them. Yeah, there's there's a lot of personalities on that team too. I I could see that digressing very quickly, leaving them to their own vices. Right. I I, I mean, I, I don't think I don't really think that's going to be a problem. I mean, you know, they know that they have the talent. It's it's just it, it seems like they're all. They're, they've all bought in, and um, if that's the case, then they're going to bounce back quickly. Yeah, they've got the, all the right pieces. They'll be fine. Moving on to Group B, Wizards, Jazz, Knicks, Warriors. Going into this, I I didn't rate the Warriors very highly. I wasn't alone in that. They struggled early in their first game, but uh, Vert's just outstanding big man play. He was rebounding everything. He was scoring. Type type was very very strong as well. Shot well. Uh, they kind of surprised me. Yeah, I I, I kind of said it. You know, as I was watching the Warriors, uh, I said it on Twitter. Like their offense, like especially in that group play, really just came down to give it to Vert and let him do something. <laughs> and yeah. the thing is, like it worked that's okay to, you know, he was dropping 25, 30 points a game. So when someone's doing that, yeah, give the ball to him. We saw it when it wasn't working against um, the Pistons in the quarterfinals. They really struggled on offense. But I I do really like that front court. You mentioned type. Um, He might have been their best, like, you know, perimeter player, and he was the center. He He was knocking down the threes on that stretch five. But I, th- I think they need to better work in Sean Wynn. He was shooting well from three, just didn't get enough looks. And uh, like a pro, didn't have a good tournament at all. Um, I think he averaged like six points and was 27% from three. Which, which so. is a, a bit strange. I don't know. He He's an MPBA guy and had played in big games before. I I, I really thought he'd do better. I thought they, they got a really good pick. In like a pro, they got him really late. I think fifth or sixth round, something like that. I'm not putting too much stock into, you know, guys who who didn't play all that well in this tournament because we don't really know who got who got to practice on the league build. I think 
I think Famous Enough tweeted that only six or seven teams um, practice beforehand. So really, you know, yeah, I, oh, I, I miss that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misquoting him, no. but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to take time for some people to adjust. You know, some players are just good enough that they're going to do well no matter what. You know, for some players, it might take some adjustments. The the head coach that Warriors Gaming has, Rustin Lee, um, seems like a good guy, smart guy. So I, I, I trust them to to build on this uh, as long as they can work in some more open looks, especially for that backcourt. Yeah, I think I, with a shooter like like Sean Wynn, they really need to utilize him. I the few times I've seen him get open running off screens and, and whatnot around the perimeter, he was just knocking him down. Just to jump back about players not playing on the league, not being able to scrimmage on the league build, um, that was very noticeable with Guna. I don't even know if Guna got to Indiana. Did he go straight to New York? And some of the shots he took were NBA 2K18 shots. They weren't. They didn't feel like uh, 2K league shots. They would have normally gone in on his on his sharp shooting build. Right. I know he had zero practice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's why, that's why the teams that were in group D were, were in group D was because the international players, a lot of them didn't get in until like Wednesday making that adjustment. And I think that's why Gunnar didn't actually play the first game mm-hmm. for the Pacers. And I think that's why. Um, but as you get more practice, I think some of these guys who didn't look all that great that, you know, you've seen perform well on 2K18. I think they're just going to get better. Yeah, fair call. Totally agree. But uh, just saying in Group B, I just want to talk about Nate Carl. We we all knew he was an elite defender from the... Oh, my... I'm blanking on his Pro-Am team with Slay Island. Island Gang. Island Gang, Island Gang. Yeah. Where do you rate him as a defender in terms of... Put a value on where you rate him. He's up there. I mean that, and that's going to be valuable, especially at that small forward when you go up against guys like Hood or Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, fine with top five, maybe even top three. I'd say he's up there. Excellent. I was, I was hoping you put a number on it. <laughs> I was going to push you. I, I think it was the Jazz game. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Jazz game. They they ran a little five outset with B Smooth, and he matched up on Nate. Uh, that lasted a whole two possessions. Nate shut down the first one and blocked the second one, and they didn't go back to that five-out look with uh, B-Smooth. Yeah, there there were a couple teams that tried to do that five-out with the small forward, mixed success. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's a valuable skill set. And, you know, even offensively, he looked pretty good yeah. to me. So Yeah, he was hitting a few shots too. Moving on to Group C, Magic, Raptors, Blazers, and 76ers. The The narrative before the tournament was that Group D was the pool of death. Can I float a theory that Group C was actually the pool of death? How do you feel about um, that? Man, I mean, you know, Group C obviously had the two best teams, but, you know, I think Group D had the next three best teams. So it just kind of depends on on how much value you put into those two two things. But I mean, I think we could. Yeah, I mean, no one would argue that this was a much harder group than anyone gave it credit for going into this. Um, 
And I, I, I wrote in my review that I think Raptors Uprising might have been, you know, favorites to play on Saturday going into that. And then it turns out that, you know, you got the two best teams in the league in Blazer mm-hmm. 5 and the 76ers. So it's not quite as disappointing for the Raptors. Um, I like their roster. I like the way they're they're constructed. Um, Yusuf looks to be a great pick. He was third round, I believe. So, um, And Kenny, I mean, he looks good at point guard. I don't think anyone was ever going to doubt his ability there, though. Yeah, yeah, totally. There, there was a few... There was definitely a few doubts, though, uh, just in the Twitter sphere. People were saying that he – and Slay Island, I spoke to Slay about it. He, Kenny hasn't played point guard for a while, but he still has the talent. So he'll, he'll be fine. Kenny, Kenny was good. Detoxies, the knock on Detoxies is that he can go a little quiet, quite deliberate in how he plays. He, he spreads the floor, and it's probably at a, a detriment to his own stats. But it gives it gives uh, Kenny and Yusuf so much more room to work. Right. I mean, he was a little quiet, but I mean, it, like you said, it, it's not really a knock on him or the way he played. I mean, Yusuf was just abusing some of those centers down low, <laughs> um, especially uh, I, I think against the Magic. He was just shoving Marley just out of the paint completely and dunking on him repeatedly. So, I mean, when that's going, like just you know, space the floor and let it keep going. So, I mean, it's it's not his fault at all. Yep, fair call. The Blazers, we'll talk about the Blazers for a little bit. Uh, they, uh, their, their front court in in Walnut and Shots uh, are two of the best. They, they just controlled the paint beautifully on both ends. And Mama, Mama, I... He was good in the end. I, I thought he looked a little jittery at the start when you know when the bright lights came on, but he really settled into what he was trying to do and, and runs that team around very nicely. He finds shots when shots needs the ball, and he he works walnut into the offense perfectly. What do you think about the Blazers coming out of the group stage? Yeah, so you you talk about that front court. I think shots may have even overshadowed Walnut this mm-hmm. week. You know, Walnut was the sixth overall pick. That's not a knock on Walnut. He still played fantastically, averaged twenty points or something like that. But I mean, shots. You know, he was scoring, and and he was he was the primary defender on Hood in that semifinals matchup with Cavs Legion, and he did enough that you know to shut a uh, uh, Hood down. Um, so yeah, and and Mama, um, he he had, I would say overall his tour- his tournament was good. Um, I think he he had some problems in the finals against 76ers though, um, that kind of led to their early run. But I mean, th- this team is scary. Like, I mean that that that's a big three right there. I think um, when you talk about Walnut shots and Mama. Um, Lavish Phenom and Grant Monster, they hit their threes when they need to be hit. So yep. don't make mistakes either. Yeah, it's a scary team. Shots shots is you know, you get to the third quarter and the box score flashes up and shots has twenty three points and you're like, Wow, I, I didn't even realise it and he's killing us. He right. he just seems like such a an underrated scorer. Yeah, no, he he like kind of quietly gets his points. Mm-hmm. Um, points are points, so 
<laughs> Walnut was kind of, you know, I think that was because Walnut was, was the really focal one of that group. You know, he was standing up, he was yelling, he was doing the trash talking. So it kind of takes some of that attention away from shots. And then, yeah, you look at the box score and, and shots has dropped 25 points. Um, so I think it has a little to do with just, you know, Walnut kind of being the center of attention on that team. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way at all. Um, I loved all the trash talking that everyone did and all that. Yeah, moving on to the Magic. Uh, they went the way we all pretty much thought they would. Where would you start with the Magic, Will? Nothing really worked for this team. <laughs> like it, it was actually kind of impressive. They came within... Th- they only lost by three to the 76ers, which is just shocking considering the way they played. Did the but, 76ers try try a new look that game or did they? I don't think so. I, mean, wow. I, I might have to go back and watch it, but I mean, the stats for the Magic and like they're, they're like balanced almost to a fault where like they don't have a clear cut scorer. And I think Control is the best player on that team, but... He was really inefficient this week, and it, it came down a little bit to just he didn't have that much help. They just need more contributions from from every position. Nacho Trainer shot 40% from the field, 11% from three. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge problem for them. Uh, Supreme Polar, you know, he, he, he kind of he hit his shots, but, like, he's, he's not a game changer like that. Um, you know the front court, it was it was all right, but nothing that really stands out. So it's just it's just all across the board where they need to get better. Yeah, yeah, they've got some work to do. I, I'm sure they'll figure out something. Moving on to Group D, probably the most entertaining set of games. They were they were all excellent, uh, and obviously the Mavericks Celtics game was a barn burner. We'll get into that in a sec. Pacers Heat Celtics Mavs and Grizz. Uh, we'll start with the Grizzlies because I find it extremely interesting. They looked awful. They played awful. They started game one by benching winner stays on. Uh, did we hear? Did we hear why? What was the? I actually tweeted that out. Noticing yeah. I said something like, are, are they really making, you know, winner stays on their sixth man? And he actually responded to me and he said, you know, the idea was to play their sixth man and get some confidence going and, you know, heading into the season. And I actually, you know what, I think that's actually okay because if, you, if you're going to try something, it might as well be in one of these tournaments because mm-hmm. the regular season is what matters the most in the end. Go ahead, do do the new lineups, experiments. I'm okay with that. They put them in, and they played them at small forward for a couple games, and, you know, they lost. Yeah, and then, it didn't go well. Even yeah, when he was handling then, the ball, it didn't go well. Right, and, you know, he was hitting some shots, but, you know, what? You know, it's the small forward. Wasn't that much of an impact. And then they played him at point guard. They took their worst loss of the entire tournament, so... <laughs> I think what it came down to actually was when Winter Stays On was at point guard, he was almost looking too much to facilitate. He actually had the most assists in the combine out of all the point guards in the league. He has that pass-first mentality. I'm not entirely sure 
where that kind of play style fits into the league. Also, can, can been, I jump in there? I, I yeah, don't think go. it does. I don't think it does. And my guy, uh, one through five at one through five on Twitter, he's a good follow. Um, top pro M player. He just he is a firm believer. You've got to be a scoring threat at that point guard position, even if you get into the lane and pass the ball. That's fine. You're a threat to score. Yeah, it's it's just yeah. That I mean, he's right, but. Um, <laughs> One of the other problems was that I, I like, you know, a lot of these teams, they had like a real identity and how they played. I have no idea what the identity is of the Grizz gaming offense. It seems to be just feed it to authentic African down low and let him score a bunch of points, which he did. But then, you know, teams caught on that he was their only reliable source of offense and started double teaming him. And, you know, of course, that takes him out of the game. But it's just, you know, a lot of work to be done. They they need to come up with a solid system. I don't really know what their best lineup is. They're going to have to figure that out, you know, in practice and scrims and everything. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I tweeted that they should just they should just go for a two man game between Winter Stays On and Authentic African, and that didn't really work when they tried it. So it, it's a lot of things that got to be figured out with that team. And and I think I tweeted back at you to put authentic African at point guard, and I will also die on that hill. Give him, <laughs> give him a run at the one. That's entirely enough talking about Grizz gaming. They'll get better. They'll get better. I'm not. We're not here to trash them. It, it is what it is. No, got, not at all. They got blown out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the heat. I I I must admit I I didn't see much of the heat uh, due to the scheduling and my life commitments. Uh, Can I just throw a broad question at you? What happened to the Heat? I think it came down to defense for them. Uh, They were scoring just fine. You know, Hotshot was was doing work in the paint. Um, Sharpshooter Los, I mean, I think he was the best-looking three-point shooter in the tournament. He was was hitting shots from, you know, the center court logo. Uh, (laughs) But... Uh, it, it really it, it came down to defense, I think, and um, 2KAnalytics.com shows that they were actually last in, in the league in points per possession given up. They gave up like 90 to the Celtics or something and, and, you know, like 81 to the Mavs or something like that. And, I mean, you know, they came within half a second of going to overtime with Grizz Gaming. Yeah. Like, it, it came down to the buzzer. Who hit the shot? Uh, uh or was it the Grizz got one away too late? I can't remember now. Yeah, the, the Grizz got one away too late. I want to say it was Universal Phenom, maybe, okay. who who he hit it, but, you know, time ran out. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are just a lot of things to figure out. Um, I mean, you, you look at, you know, the box scores again, and it's like they didn't get quite enough from the shooting guard position. They played both Jalen and uh, Hyper's Pro. Didn't get too many contributions from them. I don't think, but like all around, you know, they were scoring and, and majestic. He was sharing the ball They were, They were moving it around and then just, they couldn't stop anyone on defense. Yeah. And having played pro-am and, and 2k for a while, uh, if you can score the ball, at least fixing your defense isn't too big of a leap to make. You, you can make some, some changes and some schemes. I, if you've only got to fix your defense after the first tournament, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, enough, we'll sort that out. 
Well, exactly. I mean, famous enough. We all know he watches a lot of film, uh-huh. and I'm I'm positive he's just going to be obsessing over trying to get this team back on track. You know, between now and when when they play this week. Yep. Indiana. We'll quickly talk about Indiana. The first game, obviously, Guna, I guess, just got in the country, hadn't practiced. So, did they put Swizz or Wolf at the point? I, I can't quite remember. They put Swizz. And, and Wolf then, uh, small forward? Yeah, Wolf was yeah. always at the small forward. But, I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I wrote in my preview that I liked the idea behind the Pacers gaming draft. You know, they only spent a fourth-round pick on Gunnar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the upside on him is is pretty good. And when you surround a guy like that with a couple of players, you know, Wolf is known as a lockdown defender and Swizzerk is known just as a dead-eye sharpshooter. When you surround Gunnar with guys like that, good things are probably going to happen. I didn't see was, you know, Wolf being the offensive force that he was. Who's seen that coming? Uh, That's I, yeah, I mean, outrageous. It was surprising. And, you know, it was... It was kind of like um, a light version of what Hood was doing in Cleveland. But what the Pacers were also doing was they were mixing in more sets and they were using Gooner and Swizzerk as secondary ball handlers and giving them more looks as well. And then, I mean, combine that with, again, Wolf, a lockdown defender and Tucker locks up being the best defensive center in the league, it looks like right now. The, the ceiling is high for this team, and if, if Gunnar gets going, then uh, it's, it's going to be a problem for the rest of the league. There's a few things I want to hit on what you just said. Uh, Cody Parent, I think he's an Indiana guy. He is, yeah. yeah. They were born with basketball sets uh, in, their, in their cots, so <laughs> right. they were always going to run some, run some stuff. Wolf at the, the small forward... I know all these guys are versatile and it's it's not too far of an extension to, to score the ball having been that lockdown in the Pro-Am scene. But uh, Wolf was just excellent running that. When they went to those five-out looks, um, he was just scoring at will. I think he had 31 game, didn't he? Honestly, I can't remember. Yeah, but anyway. I mean, it, he was scoring. So, and, and Turner locks up. I watched him actually play... Before the before the draft, they were having Dimes was hosting 102 pickups, just pickup games, and he looked totally outclassed in all those games. But it, it was just an aberration after seeing what he put up this week. He was he was amazing at center. Yeah, I mean, I, I put him in my my you know all tournament third team just because of the way you know he looked against. I mean, that group D has. A lot of really good centers. You talk about Arsenal, Hot Shot, um, Authentic African, Day Fry, and he looked really good against all those guys. So, props to him. Yeah, yeah. The big storyline though from Group D was Dimes and and Fab and going up going up against each other. I guess they've been playing each other for a while on the you know the game battle stuff and then the pro am. Celts are up big at the half. They're up 22 at the half, I believe. But slowly, slowly but surely, Dimes uh, took over and carefully exerted his will all over the game, just getting into the lane. He was finding uh, Day Fry along the baseline, just open jumpers at will. On defense, he, uh, Dimes' defense, that was always the, 
sort of semi knock on dimes was that he never really guarded the ball much in the last 18 months. But he was just dominant on defense. He was forcing steals, forcing Fab into long three-pointers, which is not what Fab really, really wants to do. Yeah, take us through that Boston um, Mavs game. Yeah, so, like, everything in this game kind of just happened gradually. Like, you know, the, the Celtics, it's not like they jumped out to a huge lead in the first quarter. You know, the Mavs were keeping it close, and then just kind of slowly but surely the Celtics built up that lead. It was 20 at one point, 15 by halftime. Um, one trend I noticed with some of these games was that teams got on runs because of their transition points. Talking about the finals, uh, a lot of transition points there. Early in this Mavs Celtics game, uh, the Celtics, they were forcing some turnovers, getting those points in transition, moving the ball well. They were hitting the threes. Arsenal was getting a bunch of offensive rebounds. And um, I think most importantly was that they weren't really allowing Dave Fry to do anything in that first half. I want to say he had like six or eight points at halftime. But then, you know, you talk about things happening gradually. The Celtics just kind of kept chipping away at that lead. And they were doing the same thing that the Celtics had done to them, were forcing the turnovers, forcing bad shots, getting in transition, getting those quick, easy buckets. And just, you know, by the time, you know, they came back, like the Celtics, I'm sure, I think mentally they just checked out. And, and the Mavs had all the momentum. And, you know, that, that last stretch of the game, the Celtics just looked completely out of it. And Mavs ended up winning by, you know, seven points. So, yeah. I don't have my notes in front of me, but was this the game where JLB JLB was hitting a, a bunch of three pointers too? Yeah, he he hit a few. Um, yeah, he he was kind of part of that you know comeback effort. Um, a lot of people were hitting threes. You know, they they have shooters on that team with Devillin and uh, Ball like Seam, so they were just you know using that, getting Dayfry back in the in the game, and Dimes doing his thing. Yeah, just on Seam. Have you seen? There's a Twitter. A tweet, sorry, of Seam uh, like hooping in real life, and he—I don't know if you've seen it—but he's playing against the Mavs gaming manager, whose name escapes me right now. Roger Canada. Yeah, yeah, Roger, and Seam is dropping him off. He's—he's he's this long lefty. He's pulling up for jump shots. He's dunking, dunking on Roger. It's a—it's an excellent little tweet to go and watch. Yeah, I've seen that actually. <laughs> It's kind of surprising he's only like, you know, a spot-up shooter. He probably has the basketball IQ to play point guard. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Moving on to the finals, Will. We can sort of blow through it a bit if you want to get to the final. Just a few little quick hitters. Through the the finals games I've seen, uh, Walnut and Shots, again, were just dominating down low. And, And the paces... I've got written in my notes here, if you take the ball out of Wolf's hands, you go a long way towards beating the Pacers. Is that a fair statement? Um, well, it, it worked this tournament just because Gunnar wasn't on his A game. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talked about before, I, I think you're right in that he he may have been taking a little too many pro-am shots when you don't have another guy who can work it like that. You know, I mean, Tucker locks up, great defensive center, but um, he's not like, you know, in our 
Arsenal or a hotshot or an O'Leary where he can take over a game offensively. Yeah, once, I mean, just in this tournament, especially once once you shut down Wolf, then, you know, it's it's a lot easier for you from there. Yeah, actually, you just hit on something and I'm going to put you on the spot here about O'Leary, but Larry's pick and roll defense might be the best in the 2K league. In the in the small sample size we have right now, I don't know if you watched it in, in closely, and if you didn't, I, I apologize for putting you on the spot. But so he off off that pick and roll. We know at the moment a lot of teams aren't going to pull up for three. Just the shots don't go in at the moment. Uh, he he'll drop right back, and if he needs to, if they're going to pull up for three, he'll recover quickly. So I I don't know. I think Larry's. Pick and roll defense is is excellent and probably a little underrated. Um, I mean, honestly, my vision, my my memory's a little blurry. Yeah, like it was a long time ago, Tuesday <laughs> games. Like it's it's a week ago at this point. So, yeah. but I mean, you know, if if I mean, I I trust your judgment on that. If if that's true, then you know he he gets it done on offense. He led all centers in scoring. So, which is why I think you know they they need to. The Bucks need to uh, work a little more on getting it to him. Yep, absolutely. the The Bucks got some some reasonable pieces. They'll figure it out. So, in regards to Hood, from what you've seen over the the few days and into the finals, what seems like oh, I think we touched on it before. What's the recipe for stopping Hood? It's it's almost like don't worry so much about stopping Hood. I mean the the Blazer Five. I. I think played that semifinals game perfectly. Um, and, and I said earlier, like, you know, they tried to double team him and he just hit the guy in the corner and the guy was draining the threes. I can't remember who it was, but um, what they did actually was they put shots on hood. And mm-hmm. I think that's actually kind of smart. Just, you know, get the size advantage on him because most of his points were just him getting to the rim and, you know, using the relentless finisher badge or tireless scorer um, because, I mean, slasher is the primary, you know, archetype on that build. So what, what shots did was he forced hood to settle for a lot more jumpers. And when you can do that, it's a lot easier to beat him. I think Um, there were a lot of teams, I think trying to put the small forward on hood and I think you just need to get the size advantage and don't let him get to the rim. Uh, what was interesting to me was that Shots was on a rebounding athletic finisher that game, which was um, interesting to me because uh, I, I I don't really know how like the sharpshooting rim protector build at the power forward would work trying to stop a guy like Hood. You know, maybe with those defensive badges, it would make a difference. I like the idea of putting the power forward on him and just hoping that the defender does enough and that your offense does enough to outscore him because three is more than two. So just don't let them hit the threes. Let let Hood score 40 points as long as you don't let everyone else score 20 points, right? Um, And that's what Blazer 5 Gaming did. And and to your point, make them hard twos. Yes, exactly. I mean... Let him let him take a shot from the foul line. Let him take an 18-footer. Just don't let him get to the rim because he's just... I mean, we saw it in, like, the first game against 
Kingsguard Hood was dunking it on two or three defenders at a mm-hmm. time. So he he's going to get those points at the rim just because of what the build is and the badges he has. So just, you know, make him take the jump shots. Yeah, and and I th- I think it was the Jazz was it the Jazz slowed him down in the quarterfinals. Yeah, Jazz actually uh, played it really well. Um, they, they were backing up a long way. Yeah, ex- exactly. So you know, Jazz only lost by one point, so it was a close game. Um, but yeah, they I I just I don't know if they had like the personnel to stop Hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they just tried to let him take jump shots, and yeah, it was it was somewhat effective. We'll uh we'll keep rolling. I I wanted to spend most all the rest of our time talking about the final, and then maybe some general thoughts after that. Okay, but we'll sort of do a bit of a, a breakdown of the final. It was it was the Radiant Show, and in featuring uh, ZDS and and Steez, right? So the 76 has got out to a flying start. Radiant, pretty much the whole week, uh, got where he wanted to on the court, which just makes your offense so much more efficient. And and when Radiant gets into the paint, his split-second decision-making is up there with the best in the league. Either he shoots from that floater range or gets to the rack or makes the pass. He, he just makes the right decision. ZDS, I, I think... Was it he the 89th pick, something to that effect? Yeah, something like that. He was hot all tournament, uh, knocking down shots, and and Radiant was just feeding Steez down low. And also Steez was hitting a couple of threes on his rim protector, which uh, just shows his class. Yeah, no, I, I saw that too in the final. The quarter three on the pure rim protector. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's when you're Blazer 5, when you see that, that's just when you know it's not your game. Exactly, exactly. So the 76ers were up uh, 12-2 after about three minutes, and they were just all over the Blazer 5. The Blazers were forcing up terrible shots. Steves was taking Walnut out of what he wanted to do. And Feast was containing shots somewhat. But, I mean, shots eventually got what he wanted to do. And it was twenty three to ten at, at quarter time. What'd you make of the first quarter? Yeah, so I mean, seventy sixers just played that quarter perfectly. Um, it, it all started with their defense, like you said. They were making Blazer Five take bad shots. They were forcing a lot of turnovers. Um, Mama had four turnovers by, I want to say, the middle of the second quarter. So they were doing that, and then. Um, Radiant, ZDS, and Nudini were really good at leaking out. They they trusted Feast and Steez to get those defensive rebounds and then immediately pushed it up the floor. Um, and again, a lot of transition points for 76ers in that first quarter, which is why they jumped out to a big lead along with some uh, shutdown defense. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Now that, yeah. I, I remember seeing a lot of three-on-one fast breaks. And there was even one late where where Radiant just pulled up for the three himself and it was a huge three. We'll get to that. 43-29 at the half. The 76ers had a 10-2 rebounding advantage through the first half. That is huge when the Blazer big men are Walnut and shots. And that was part of the reason why they're up so big. 
Yeah, I think that was just because um, they were forcing the bad shots. Mm-hmm. Walnut and and shots weren't really in position to get those rebounds, and it, it was just easy for for Steez and Feast to to grab those, especially on defense. Yep, very true. Uh, the Blazers mounted a little run through the third on 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 the back of some strong rebounding. They brought that rebounding discrepancy right back to pretty much even, and it was a four point game. Uh, Mid third quarter, the Seventy Sixers had a twenty one to. Sorry, I'll start again. The Blazers had a had a twenty one to seven run through that third quarter. Uh, that's yeah, huge. So they just did the same thing that the Seventy Sixers did to them. They started shutting the 76ers down on defense. They forced the turnovers of the bad shots, and they were getting a lot of transition buckets. And, you know, I, I've talked about those transition points a lot tonight <laughs> just because it really was important in a lot of games for these teams. It's what sparked, you know, all the big runs. It, it's, it's what sparked the Mavs coming back against the Celtics. And it's why... 76ers got out to the huge lead, and it's why Blazer 5 was able to come back and tie it late. Um, and then just, you know, fourth quarter. Yeah, fourth quarter. Uh, it was tied at 50 apiece. So the whole tournament come down, final game, fourth quarter, 50 apiece. The 76ers, ZDS was huge uh, offensively down the stretch. Uh, Radiant was setting him up nicely. What I think led to a lot of ZDS's easy shots was Radiant's, Radiant would penetrate or or you know start the offense through a pick and roll. And instead of making the first pass, every time he made a skip pass to ZDS, of which ZDS's man had already started to rotate over to the roll man. So then ZDS is just wide open for an 18, 19 footer. And yeah, he, he, he knocked all of them in. Yeah, I mean that was the 76ers offense was just so fun to watch. It was just it it flowed perfectly. There was tons of ball movement. Yeah. Everyone was moving around off the ball. Um I don't know, you know, they they have uh Jeff Terrell as their head coach, White Kite. Um I know he was a point guard in college. I don't know if he came up with that offense or someone else came up with it. Maybe the players came up with it, but whoever came up with it they are why the 76ers won this tournament and, and why they're such a huge threat going forward. Just their entire system was so organized and they were always making the right passes. And you talk about, you talked about Radiant earlier, always getting to the paint and making the right decision. And that, that played a huge part in it um, because his, his guys were moving around and they were getting open. Um, yeah. And, and that's why they were able to pull away in the fourth quarter just, Working that offense and getting those open shots, you know, there there were just a couple times, like you said, ZDS was just wide open, and you know, Scott Cole, the commentator, it was like, I think even at one point he was like, "How is he so open?" Just because <laughs> the guy was hitting every single three, and um, yeah, so uh, it's it, it's it's a fun team to watch, and like I, I just I just had a good time, you know, just just taking all that in. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, if any other teams are listening, go back and just have a look at what the 76ers were running and especially Radiant. Uh, it was just excellent. The icing on the cake, Will, was uh, Udini. I think it was the second last possession. He hit 
a long two from the corner, absolutely smothered. There was a Blazer defender in his jersey, and it didn't even hit the rim on the way in, which pretty much just summed up the game from the 76ers perspective. Yeah, he hit that, and, and the possession right before that, you, you talked about earlier, They uh, Radiant comes down in transition and just pulls up from three and nails it. Yep. And it was a... Uh, the game was 66-61 at that point. He made it 69-61, and uh, that was the difference. But yeah, I mean, um, Nudini was just a sniper on that you know, small forward. Um, both ZDS and Nudini were uh, just good all-tournament at, at hitting their shots. Um, ZDS, you know, it, it seemed like every time he shot the ball, you could hear him yelling out green. Green, yeah. Standing up, yeah. <laughs> I, I loved it. I, I loved all the talking. They were a really energetic team. T Fresh, the six man, s- super hype. Just the hype man of that team. Yeah. Um. Y- you know, yelling at the other at the other team, getting in their face. Um. Just a uh, a near perfect tournament. And you know, you look back and it's like it, it's kind of you know, Blazer Five beat this team in in the first game. Mm-hmm. of group C. So it's like, you know, give credit to 76ers for coming back and the, and then beating them right back on, you know, in the biggest game. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I can't get down with uh, yelling at the other team. If you're riding the pine. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I mean, what else are you going to do? Like, uh, I'm, like, I'm only joking, but, <laughs> but it's not like T-Fresh is a bad player, you know, nah. I, like it, it works. Like it, it really does work. You know, it, it, it gets in your opponent's head. So I, I, I was all for the tr- the trash talking, and you know, everyone standing up. The Walnut had lost his voice on the final day. By the time the finals came around, so like it, it's, it's fun. You know, it, it's fun that these guys are so into it, and uh, that that's part of why I think you know this was legitimately entertaining just mm-hmm. to watch and everything everyone said who was actually there was that like it's a lot more hype at the venue so awesome game all around in that finals um 76ers look like the team to beat uh if they can sustain what they did radiant was the man he got tournament mvp deserve like, so or i i would say so it it, it kind of depends on on you know, how you view MB- MVP. Like, we have this argument every year in the NBA about... Yeah, we haven't got MVP. time for that, but it's right. a long... De- yeah. I, I If if they gave it to Hood, um, I wouldn't have argued. I was fine with them giving it to Radiant. Um, but I, I, I think it was always going to go to the best player on the best team. Yep, fair call. I, just jumping back, I thought... When ZDS was yelling green, as as you do in pro am, you yell it so or, or you say it so that your teammate doesn't crash to the boards, doesn't need to crash to the boards. But no, he was just yelling it every time and having a good time yelling it and getting in the face <laughs> of the other team. So yeah, yeah, it was good he, for him. You know, he, he was a spark plug, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but both on the court and off of it. I, I think uh, you know your teammates feed off that energy, which is you know important. In, in a live venue. Uh, 
just some general thoughts, and we'll we'll finish up the mid range game. The the NBA proper, uh, they go out of their way not to shoot mid ranges Yet in the two K league, they are automatic. Yeah, I mean it, it's probably more effective most of the time than if you're you know a guard or maybe even a small forward than um, going to the paint. You know where where those centers are, those power forwards are. I mean, it, if it works, then, you know, just do it. I, I, I saw plenty of people, you know, guys like Insanity stepping in from the three-point line and just popping that mid-range and hitting it. Um, it is effective. I, I don't think there's any reason to go away from it if it's there, you know, a, a, as long as you can hit it. Yeah, and and Mama did that a lot. He'd get around the first pick and into the lane, and instead of going to the rim, he, he'd take two steps back and just knock in, at mid-range, so yeah, big fan of the mid-range. Rebounding and defense, I thought, were just two of of the biggest pieces to actually winning games. Um, and you t- you spoke on it before, Miami's defense being terrible and they were bundled out. Just general thoughts, Will, about the importance of rebounding and defense in the 2K league itself. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the times when they showed the box score, you'd see like the the winning team was winning the rebound battle like 10 to three, mm-hmm. you know, numbers like that, you know, it, especially when it comes to offensive rebounding is where I think it's the most important in, in the Cavs Legion Kingsguard game on the first day, you know, in the fourth quarter, Worthing Cole was just grabbing all those offensive yeah. boards. And that's why that game was as close as, as it was. So I think it's, it, it's mostly about offensive rebounding and the team, that has the better offensive rebounding is has the advantage. So yeah, it is important. And I mean, we saw the numbers, we saw the trend. It, it does correlate. Yeah. Well said. And, and when the Blazers made their little run to tie the game up in the final, um, Walnut got a couple of key, a couple, two or three key um, offensive rebounds to get second chance points. What did you make, Will, of the presentation? It, it got better as the tournament went on, and by the end, they, they had a very crisp setup. Anything you want to see improved in the presentation? Um, there are a couple areas. I, I don't want it to sound like the presentation was bad because, I mean, it was good. I, I said in my article, like, whoever got Scott Cole on board to to commentate, that was an incredible move. Like, I, you know, when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's, that's huge. I mean, that guy, I could listen to him commentate anything. <laughs> there are some tweaks to be made, especially, I, I think the most tweaks that can be made would be during those breaks, um, in between quarters, in between games, stats, more stats, please. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I still don't think they showed too many box, final box scores after games. Like, they, they, they started showing them as the week went on, like in between quarters and everything. And uh, they even added a shot chart, which was pretty cool. But I mean, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that that we want to see, especially in game. Like there was not a single graphic pop up in game, you know, for stats or anything like that, which is really strange because, I mean, that's in the game. Like you you just play like, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, a, a quick match or something, they're going to show like if a team is on a run, you know, the the stat line of a certain player, things like that. And that was just completely absent. Um, 
I'm hoping that, you know, it might have just been a matter of like they don't have like that graphic made up. So they just got to do that. I'm hoping they're going to add stuff like that. But I mean, overall, you know, it, it was it was really impressive how quick they took feedback and improved on everything. You know, they they started adding like actual songs to the playlist. They one of the smaller things they did was add a little add the score as like you know the camera pulled away at the end of quarters um, during breaks and things like that. Uh, they started getting Dirk in on like analysis during the games and had like a camera on him so there was a lot of stuff they i mean it, it's a good sign that you know they're taking that feedback seriously because I, I saw a lot of you know different requests uh on twitter and um they were listening and uh i, I give i give them a lot of credit for what they did um even on the first day it was it was pretty good and they just kept improving as the week went on very well said we might leave it there. I think we've we've done about an hour. Will, um, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Finally, we've been circling each other for a while. Where do where do the people go, my my listeners? Where do they go to find you and your writings? So, uh, dimer two k dot com is the website. Dimer and then the number two and k. Um, I plan on doing a preview and review every single week. Um, and I just dropped an article today on the tip-off. Lots of good stuff in there. A recap, talking about the production, the gameplay, breaking down all the teams. I did superlatives like the best dunk, best three-pointer, uh, the best sound bite, best interview, things like that. Um, and, of course, power rankings. Um, you can find uh, Dimer on Twitter, at Dimer2K. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Will Beverina. Um, I do live tweet during the games, uh, try to give some sort of insight. It's mostly just for me to, you know, keep things in my mind that I want to write about later. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, c- come on, come on through. I, I, I need more readers. I need yeah. more readers. <laughs> we all do. Definitely follow, <laughs> definitely follow on Twitter. And when, when the games are going on, interact with Will. Just tease your article. Who Who got dunk of the tournament? I, I haven't uh, had a chance to read it yet. It was King Cam Royalty on Steez in the Magic for 76ers game. Um, I, I put I put videos of everything, but uh, Steez's player just looked lifeless on the floor after it <laughs> happened. So, I mean, it, it was like the one positive of, of the Magic gaming tip-off. But, I mean, I uh, you know, it, it's, it's a long article, man. It's 7,000 words, so lots to take in. Wow. Uh, you need to do that. Do that mailbag. I, I I actually would love to do that. I I like answering questions. I like you know just thinking about the league and uh, doing some critical thinking about where the league is at, where it's going to go, strategy, yep. things like that. So, oh dear, I just uh, I just found the dunk in your article. Oh, Steve's he's not getting yeah. up. He he just lays there on the floor. <laughs> Steve's had his hands up like um. Like uh, Aaron Baines does a lot, <laughs> right? <laughs> without without jumping. Yeah. Oh dear, yeah, yeah. No, that, he... was, that was just the worst animation he could have gotten. And then yeah. I think I Control like flops on the floor right in front of him too, which was an <laughs> underrated part of it. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. Hang on, sorry. I need to see. 
<laughs> yeah, he does too. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, thanks for the chat, Will. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. I mean, this was this was real fun. I had a good time. Thanks for having Follow me on. Follow the green release on Twitter for all 2K updates. 2K updates.